Hello and welcome to Fincia's podcast. My name is Ben Hamilton, Senior Relationship Manager at Fincia, and I will be facilitating today's podcast. Our latest podcast is with John Waters, co-founder and CEO of Informed Position. Prior to co-founding Informed Position, John had an extensive career in defence, working in planning and analytical roles. John is passionate about exploring new and emerging technologies and examining how new technologies can be applied in the real world. Welcome, John, and thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit more about your company, Informed Position? Yeah. Hi, Ben. It's great to be here. Informed Position is an early-stage startup that develops artificial intelligence products for financial markets, uh, primarily focusing on predictive trend analysis towards where market prices are going to be for various instruments to enable trading. And I guess that gives an indication as, as to the name Informed Position, or is there a story behind the name? No, that's a little bit of an insider pun. We, <laughs> you know, we, it's also tied to our background. So our background is within defence intelligence and about conducting analysis within various environments to assess where things are going so that any decision makers were informed when they're making a decision, which effectively we were shaping for informed positions. Okay, great. Uh, how many people are involved in its development? Uh, three of us. Three, okay. So, so yeah, we, it started as a side project. Like It was literally over the Christmas holidays last year that we started working on a different, different set of trend analysis tools for C-suite awareness. And from there, one thing led to the other, and we found ourselves moving towards AI and towards a predictive tools uh, in a financial market sense. Excellent. Now, whereabouts are you guys based? We're in Brisbane. Brisbane. So Informed Position uh, uses AI to process and predict market movements and prices. But could you just tell us a little bit more about how it all works? The simplest explanation for it is to think of it as three blocks. So we started in the, with a trend analysis kind of focus and security threat warning. So when incidents are occurring in media spaces, you could identify that and organizations could respond. Uh, United Airlines had a pretty big incident last year, mm-hmm. right? They decided to rough someone up on a plane. And we were monitoring what was happening across the media space at that time and how that was permeating across platform. And we'd build a sentiment analysis tool to basically see how people were responding to it. Mm. Um, and what we were seeing was the responses that they were rolling out, which in that first 24 hours was just the generic, we stand by our people, nothing has been done wrong. And their price went up. Uh, 1% over that period because there was a market lag as and no one was seeing how much of an incident. It wasn't just the run of the run of the mill kind of thing. This was really getting traction. Next day, they lost 18%. And the tone of how they changed and adjusted their messaging over the next week really shifted. Mm. And to us, that was when we first asked ourselves was, well, we could see this thing coming. Is there a way that we could measure that? And could we give someone in that situation, whether it's positive or negative, tools to be able to respond, hence informed position, be informed on the position they took. If you're running a marketing campaign, you're running an election or something like that, how are your messages being perceived? Are they going to the people you want and are they responding to it positively? Is that going across platform or is it just a static line? And start building like that way. Trump was interesting at that same time because his volume far outweighed the volume compared to Hillary Mm. across media sources. 
So in, if you were to do a one-to-one poll with 100 people, yeah. Trump would get like a 63, 67% approval rating, right? Whereas Hillary was able to get 80s, mid-80s. Mm. However, she would have 1,000 to his 10,000. So she's getting you know, 800 people, but he's getting thousands that were outweighing the move and shaping the direction in his favour, but that wasn't seen through polling because it wasn't taken into account. Yeah. And we started, that shaped us towards, okay, these tool sets and tying in the market data, was, we were really trying to do a really basic indicator. So mm-hmm. if you're doing a incident response team maybe for a company that has a bad United Airlines day, mm-hmm. and to sit there and go, okay, what we're seeing happening here has a you know, very high chance to low chance to neutral, positive, you know, a, a basic scale. Mm-hmm. That's what we were trying to predict when we first built it. Mm-hmm. We just happened to get it to hit price point by accident. Mm-hmm. Well, not by accident. We were working on a problem that did it. It just gave us a much narrower result than what we had ever anticipated would be achievable. Yeah. Um, and from there, one thing led to the other of, well, let's chase this rabbit down the hole and see how far we can go. Yeah. And then you took that leap of faith. <laughs> yeah, and then once it became overwhelming, it was like you're sitting there making that decision of, do I want to be the guy that's sitting at the pub 10 years' time going, I could have made that, mm. and we made that first, or do I want to take a chance? And, you know, it's not every day you have something that's that strong that can generate its own revenue mm. effectively. You know, a lot of the other platforms we built you could build strong business models around, like the market analysis and trend analysis side, all those kind of things have valuable tools from just general media awareness, anything along those lines. But they're a lot longer to develop, you know, the the best return in the shortest time uh, with the biggest potential is being able to predict market movements. Yeah. So it was kind of a no-brainer once we sat down and looked at it. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like, okay, how do three guys that had never done any finance stuff really now make something of this? Mixture of networking, talking to people about how things worked mm. and stepping into that space and some of it just live, te- just plugging it in and seeing what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, you work your way through, you start at a good zero state and you try it, you test and adjust it, it works or it doesn't work and you move on. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. That led us to developing tools to be able to live monitor across social media platforms, uh, news, forums, digital lines like that. Uh, And the first challenges came to pulling that disparate data together into a usable database structure, which is a tricky challenge, um, and then managing that. That data we later integrated with market data and we were effectively sitting there with huge volumes of data that we were seeing trends with, but we wanted to work out tools and develop tools to enhance how we use that. So the data, I guess, input element has a lot of core enablers along those lines, but it it effectively confused market data with social media data. From there, it moves into, an, I guess, an AI suite Mm -hmm. where there's effectively thousands of different AIs um, working, but the, the data comes in and let's say you're targeting a single equity. So uh, let's say one of the banks, you're targeting NAB, you want to know what NAB's price is going to do. The data gets drawn in and a suite of AI gets trained 
to target that within its window. We typically look out to about five minutes. So we look for the high-low high high price prediction for each minute out to the five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then effectively think of that from equities replicated across as many as you need for mm -hmm. your target. From there, that information gets put into an automated trading system. It's basically a, an algorithmic trade system, which prioritizes those predictions to which is, has the best potential to make profit in the shortest amount of time with the best, best level of accuracy. Mm. They, once they're effectively sorted in that way, trade positions are taken against that kind of position. Okay, thank you. Um, and in your presentation this morning at the FinCEO Future of Finance event, mm -hmm. um, your slideshow showed that AI can predict price movements on investments with an accuracy of more than 90%. Yeah. Can, yeah, can you explain a bit more about that? Okay, so early on, we, when we were exploring integrating market data with the AI elements, we found that we were able to predict short-term price movements to very high levels of accuracy. Our very first trials, I think, came in at around 86%. Mm. It had a high variance, though. It was like almost a 1% variance at that time. But it, it was like, hey, there's something there. How do we refine that? How do we do? Um, we then went through, a, I guess, a period of self-discovery mm. where we refined that, and we, by March last year, were able to get it to a point where it was averaging 90% with, I think it was a 0.4 variance. Right. Uh, to the price point per minute, and it was only a one-minute focus at that time. We then built some very rudimentary trade systems of, okay, we can do that. Can that be traded against? Like, We we weren't looking towards something like a traditional high-frequency structure. It was, can we trade within these windows with what we're getting? Like, Is it a viable tool? Mm -hmm. We found that it was. We sent it out for review to make sure that we were correct and we hadn't made some fundamental flaw and we were missing something that was just giving us false positives. Uh, that came back positive and people started asking if we wanted to invest. Mm. And we had a life-changing moment, I guess, where it was, you have something that you could potentially make huge. Do you go for it or not? And mm. we went, let's go for it, quit our jobs mm. and started the company. We, at that time, we'd only worked through historic data and some paper trading mm. the, through brokerage accounts, that kind of thing. Um, and so we did that initial raise uh, in August mm -hmm. to get a seed round so that we could start live testing and integrating what we'd been, been developing and continue to further along in the live market. Excellent. And from that time, it's been an incremental dev cycle of working through stages, solving mm. new problems, doing a live test, and then moving on to the next dev cycle. So has uh, Warren Buffett given you a call yet? <laughs> no. I, and given what I've seen of him, um, I think our technology would scare him just a little and wouldn't fit in his strategy. <laughs> so if you could um, just give us a little bit on you know, the kind of people that can benefit through investing using informed position. Uh, is it just for the big financial institutions or smaller commercial investors, or could it even be for men and women in the street? Yeah, um, I think there's a broad range of applications and particularly the underlying technology in itself. The, a lot of the core principles could be applied in other fields and other areas. And it's really like a big part that we've been doing over the last six months or so is seeing how many different instruments we can target that against. You know, we started on US equities, moved uh, to integrate you know, NASDAQ and NYSE, 
then we had to test assumptions to make sure we could do it in other markets. So we moved it to the ASX. We've done it against futures contracts, and we've done some early testing against currencies. Hmm. So we know that we can apply it to technology across multiple fields, I guess, and multiple instruments along those lines. And then from that point on, it becomes a question of what's the best way to go. Early on, uh, we, we've been trading privately. We've no, I guess, customers along those lines, just using our own money raised through the equity round. Mm-hmm. We're looking towards commercializing and potentially setting up a fund or partnering with another organization to start to scale. And that would likely be along the lines of high net worth or high, you know, sophisticated investors and wholesale for those early points. And that will enable us to scale and to push it across global markets. Once that's gone through and effectively consolidated, we can then look at subsidiaries like long-term. You know, it might be a little altruistic, but I would like to have systems where everyday people like my father can invest parts of their super into a high return fund that can complement you know, their pensions or whatever else that they're doing at that particular time. Yeah. But an everyday line along those lines, just as you would with a normal managed fund, I would assume. Okay, great. Now, um, similar AI systems are being used in Europe, uh, data miner being one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a race to become the first to capitalize on this kind of technology, do you think? Uh, yes and no. I think there are a lot of people trying to do it and taking different approaches, and it depends on the segments that you're targeting. We've seen that if you try to trade the way you would traditionally trade, it's much more difficult. You get a lot more variance in there. It's hard to maintain stability. And some of the advantages we've found is because we didn't know any better and we built from the ground up and one thing effectively led to the another through just incremental development stages. The question we used to get asked is what happens if someone else builds the exact same thing but their accuracy is 2% better? Mm. Well, you have two people that are able to trade at that same level of accuracy um, and same space. So there's, there's room in that market. But critically, for the current strategy that we have for our tools, you need normal market activity to continue to exist. So it's not a, an AI tool that replaces trading. It's an AI tool um, and suite that would complement your traditional strategies and be a part of your overall, like if you're looking from an be- investment bank perspective or something along those lines. Mm. It should be, I would say, these tools being a part of those strategies as opposed to a replacement. Okay, great. Thank you, John, for joining us today and to all of our listeners. Please subscribe to our podcast to keep up to date with future episodes. This concludes our podcast with John Waters. Thank you.